0: Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Doctor, I need I need your help. I'm having trouble with premature ejaculation. And the doctor said, Oh, I understand. He said, um, Well, before I prescribe anything, you should know that <clears throat> most men can last longer if they get a good fright. Something to startle them, make you last a little longer. He said, Try that, and then get back with me, and we'll see how that worked out. He said, Okay. So on the way home, he stopped at a sporting goods store and bought a starter's pistol. So later that night, him and his wife were in bed, and they, uh, get sexual and find themselves in the 69 position and he feels like he's going to ejaculate real soon so he pulls out the starter pistol and fires off around a couple weeks later he goes to the doctor the doctor's like so how did it work out he said not so good i uh did everything you said and when i fired that round off um my wife shit in my face and then bit three inches of my dick off and then the neighbor came <laughs> out of the closet with his hands in the air
0: <laughs> that's a sorry state of affairs yeah On that note, welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name's Erica. I'll be your host this evening, joined by my husband and co-host, Billy. Hi. I'm Billy. He is. And uh, if you guys are on our Facebook group pages, uh, Martinis and the Macabre, or friends who like Martinis and the Macabre, you saw today that I posted that we are late with this episode. We've not done that for a while, and... Are bad, but life just threw a curveball at us the last few days and kind of put us behind. So we are recording this the night that it's supposed to be due out, (laughs) and uh, I will be editing for many hours into this evening and probably into tomorrow to make sure you guys get something to listen to, because we're just we're bad podcast hosts. We didn't get it out on time. Way to go! (laughs) Wait, that's me too. Yeah, you I'm too. also involved. Yeah. So if you are not in those groups, and you should be, or you are not following us on Twitter, which is Martini underscore Macabre, uh, we put out a post to that <clears throat> I had a severe debilitating migraine over the weekend, and then Billy threw his back out. And then last night we were going to record so I could get it edited and out to you guys sometime today. And I ended up being in a lockdown in the medical unit at The prison last night (laughs) and didn't get home until really late and i was exhausted so here we are
1: no and you're cool nothing happened with the lockdown you didn't do anything
0: no i i didn't do shit yeah you're in the clear yeah
1: (laughs) yeah work today has just been hectic because we have a snowstorm coming where we're at and every customer is like okay it's either going to be like a little drizzle a fucking apocalypse, somewhere around there, somewhere in between there, is what we're gonna get. And
0: well, even the forecasters aren't even sure. Yeah, it's gonna be bad, but we don't know how bad.
1: Only one customer was just beside himself today. He was just so upset. He's like, "I'm so sick of the snow. When's this gonna fucking end?" And I'm like,
0: "We've had one snowstorm."
1: I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, it's January. Yeah, it's Indiana. This is supposed to happen. Remember, like a week or so ago, it was like 55 degrees. Mm-hmm. That as nice as that was, that was weird. I'm, I'm like outside of my t-shirt in January. I'm like, I shouldn't be fucking doing this. This is strange.
0: <laughs> it's that non-existent global warming.
1: Oh, and in case you guys don't know, the key to our survival as a species is bread and milk. Because when you go to Walmart uh, or any grocery store for that matter, when a snowstorm's coming, bread and milk is gone. <laughs> so after we run out of bread and milk, when civilization collapses, we will then start eating each other.
0: Very true. Yep. Very true. Although, I actually did go to Walmart today and got the very last shovel that they had because ours broke. And uh, as I was leaving, I saw a lady there and in her cart, it was just chock full of bottles of Coca-Cola and Bud Light. She's so, got it. So, she knows what she's doing she's when the it comes right to idea. a
1: snowstorm. Because
0: if I'm going to be locked in, I'm going to have my Coca-Cola and my Bud Light. Oh, well, yeah. That's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Fuck Yeah.
0: Who needs to eat when you got booze and cola?
1: Survive. You just survive, <laughs> man. She's going to be
0: hydrated. She well. Well. Neither one of those are really hydrating. But she'll feel good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She'll feel good.
0: Caffeine and alcohol. She, That's what I'm drinking right now.
1: What if like she gets through like one case of but like she's like god, I wish I had some bread and milk right now. <laughs> When you get talking, to that drunk state, when you get really hungry. I was talking to a customer about it too. He was like, do you... He said, they always do that. I'm like, they always fucking do that. He said, do you think they'd like roll up the bread and dip it in milk? I'm like, maybe. Do you think that's really good and we're missing out and we're just the only ones that don't know about this shit? And he was like, it could be. It could be the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I was like, it would make sense as to why that's always gone. Even bottled water doesn't leave the shelves as fast as milk and bread.
0: Yeah, I saw tons of people leaving with carts full of bottled water And, you know, food and stuff. And she was loaded up with her Coca-Cola and her Bud Light. I was like, damn. It's just weird to see. She's got an agenda.
1: It's just weird to see because you would never have thought. Like, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, y'all are in Indiana. Like, you know this shit. Mm -hmm. Like
0: why? We've lived for centuries knowing how to take care of ourselves in inclement weather. Like, if you're from,
1: you know, Southern California and you move to our town, yeah, freak out. Um, if you're from here, this is part. this is of for course, you know, par for, par, 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 par. This is normal. <laughs> so why run and, and ransack all the fucking shelves? Yeah. Why is you're not doomsday prepping unless you're from Southern California or Texas. But,
0: but last time I looked at the weather, we are supposed to have snow like every day for like the next five days or something. Think- and every day it's like three to five inches they're predicting with chances of ice in there. Yeah, so it's probably going to be pretty bad, but I don't think it's going to be like major shut down the whole town ice storm debacle. But
1: I think school will be canceled about it.
0: Yeah, but they got Monday off, so that gives them time to kind of clear out the road. So anyway, enough weather talk for this episode uh, to kick off the new year. I heard about this case. That is both a mystery, but it also has a resolution. And Cult of Domesticity covered it in their 34th episode. And we will probably be doing a crossover with Courtney sometime in the near future. Great podcast. We we haven't nailed out any details yet, but it is in the works. And uh, this case bears many similarities to both the Blair Adams case, which we covered in our very first episode, the Blair Twitch Project.
1: Which to this day...
0: To this day, is just mind-boggling. Of, <laughs> of course, if you if you haven't listened, go back and listen. Apologize now for the audio, because that was in our wee podcasting years when it wasn't as good, and we didn't have as good of a mic, and we didn't know what the hell we were doing.
1: We still kind of don't. Yeah,
0: we, we just wing it, but we sound a little better.
1: Now, for those of you who have not listened to the Blair Twitch project, which was our very first episode, uh, go ahead and stop now and go back and listen to it. We'll wait. Everybody else who has listened to it and is stuck with us the entire time, we appreciate all your patience with our lateness today, but now you are going to have to wait for about an hour while we, they catch up, so let's just sit here for a bit. How are you guys? <laughs> Me? Shit. If I was doing any better, I wouldn't be able to fucking stand myself. All right. You, you, I like your headphones (laughs) They're nice
0: (laughs) No, we're kidding We're not going to make you guys wait But uh, it also bears some uh, similarities To the mysterious man from room 1046 That we covered in episode 10 Which was called Fight Club And you can go back and listen to that one as well So yeah, the audio might be actually a little bit worse than the first one because we had Billy's sister Sarah on with us and we were trying out like different ways to do recording. That's when we we actually tried like the two microphone thing with different computers and I don't know, it was kind of odd, but there are similarities that I've noticed between both of these cases, but this one actually has a resolution.
1: This is a doozy. Yeah. This one's a doozy.
0: This is the mysterious death of a man named Greg Flinnegan, a 55-year-old vice president and partner, along with his brother, in an oil land leasing business, which is based in Beaumont, Texas, which is east of Houston.
1: So they own the land where the wells are, and if a company wants to drill there... Oil
0: land leasing business. So I think they probably lease out the land for people to come and drill, maybe?
1: Um. I don't know.
0: I'm not an oil tycoon. Okay. What do you take me for? You think we'd be working at our shitty jobs if I was an oil tycoon?
1: Yes, I think we would, because we're glutton for punishment.
0: <laughs> uh, I actually have a lot
1: of fun at the prison, but... That's not, never. That's a weird fucking sentence.
0: <laughs> he was uh, married to his wife, Susie Flinnegan, and the two had actually been married twice, once when they were very young, divorcing for a number of years, and then remarrying in middle age. The second marriage had lasted about 15 years before his death, so they were considered by most people to be in a happy and loving relationship. The two lived in Lafayette, Louisiana, so Greg would be at home on the weekends, but then he would drive two hours every Monday morning to Beaumont for work, and he would stay at the MCM Elegante Hotel during the week. Greg would live out of his suitcase for the week, but he was kind of a creature of habit. He would hang up clothes that he didn't want wrinkled. He would put his dirty clothes in a pile in the same spot every day. He would crank up the AC to keep the room in the 60s because he liked it ice cold. And he was considerate enough to lay out a towel on the bedspread to put his items on so that he wouldn't soil it. He always kept his BlackBerry phone, the TV remote, an ashtray, a lighter, and a pack of cigarettes. He was a heavy smoker and a candy bar. He always had a candy bar when he lounged in the evening because he liked sweets.
1: Now, you know who I think of, oddly enough, is um, Somerset from the documentary Seven.
0: <laughs>
1: Great we, documentary. At like the very beginning, the very, 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 very beginning, before the beginning credits even start, you know. It shows him getting up to go into work, and he has... Everything lined up. laid out, his switchblade, his glasses, his... Um, no, but like everything is right late ne- night. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that's what I kind of think of. Yeah, he was very orderly. But in a cleaner place. Nothing against the character, Somerset, but that movie is just dark and gritty and dirty. Yeah. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, oh, I need to take a shower.
0: <laughs> well, Greg wasn't known to go out on the town while in Texas. He didn't go to the bars or pick up
1: women. Which he... is bullshit. Not any... Excuse me? You, If you're in Texas <laughs> and you don't fucking visit a steakhouse while you're out...
0: Well, I'm sure he probably went out to meals every once I in would a while. I hope so. But he wasn't like a guy that went out on the town and was like drinking and partying. And sure. He pretty much stayed to himself. He stayed in his hotel room and he would talk to his wife on the phone and watch TV. Aw. On Wednesday, September 15th, 2010, he was doing just that.
1: I bet you, in a way, she was happy he was gone during the week because, like, picture it like me and you, where it's like, I leave and you're like, finally, I'm going to have that goddamn fan on and I can fucking sleep normal. <laughs> you know, and I can lay down in bed like, finally, I don't get bitched at for having it nice and cool in here.
0: <laughs> well, you know, they say distance makes the heart grow fond, So maybe that was part of why their relationship was so well, because they had that distance from each other during the week. And then they would reunite on the weekends and, you know, hang out and. That's how Have I that feel like time. it was
1: with us. Like, every time I deployed or something like mm-hmm. that, I was always like, oh, you know, I missed you and everything, of course. And I'd be like, well, I mean, can't dwell on it. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. And what are you going to do?
0: And that, it made our time together that much
1: more special. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, even if I was still in the military and I'm like, hey, I got to deploy to wherever, you'd be like, fuck, that sucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it, that'd be it. Which yeah. kind of gives a glimpse into a lot of military families. Why a lot of them split up. And why a lot of them stay together and are very strong, because they're just used to it. It's just part Mm -hmm. of the game.
0: As long as your significant other is trustworthy, and, I mean, that, most of the situations I've heard of, it's it's one of the spouses cheating on the other one when they're separated, Mm -hmm. because they get lonely, and it's like, if you were fucking committed, you wouldn't cheat on your fucking spouse while they're away fighting a war. Just saying. Well... These two seemed to care a lot for each other, and they'd been together for a very long time.
1: I think what kept them together was the candy bars. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't turn down a good Milky Way.
0: Well, so, like I said, on this night, Greg was hanging out in his hotel room, and around 7.30 or 8, he was making popcorn in the microwave, and it ended up tripping a circuit that took out the power in his room, part of the room next door, which was room 349, as well as some rooms below them.
1: Do you think... I was thinking back to earlier when he said he was on the phone with his wife. Do you think it was one of those things where they were like, yeah, I mean, they've been married for God knows how long, 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. The second time, 15 years. Do you think it was like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay. We'll both hang up at the same time. One, two, three. You didn't hang up. You didn't do it. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Popcorn.
0: Yeah. He's making popcorn. He trips the circuit and it took out, you know power to some of the rooms and a maintenance man came to fix the circuit and then left around 8 30 with greg still kicking it alive and well in the hotel room
1: enjoying popcorn as one would
0: well hopefully if it tripped the circuit he probably didn't get to finish cooking the popcorn so he probably went and made the popcorn after the maintenance man left finished what, making it
1: what if that was the bummer of his day
0: he was just like oh
1: not like the power went out like the power like he could deal with that but he was like thinking about that popcorn all day at work
0: <laughs> this the
1: one thing i was really looking forward to
0: so yeah the power's back on maintenance man said he was alive and well when he left around 8 30 and greg rented iron man 2 on the tv and then lounged on the bed smoking drinking root beer and eating a reese's crispy crunchy
1: bar seriously there was a time where i'd be like oh my god that's so fucking lame i want to blow my head off but now i'm like Fuck yeah, dude. That's a nice night. That's a nice (laughs) night
0: to have. Well, the next morning, Greg didn't show up for work, and Susie hadn't heard from him, which was odd because they usually talked on the phone every morning. So she called his work, and two of his co-workers went to the hotel to try and track him down. When they knocked on his door and got no response, a hotel manager opened the door for them, which I think is kind of shady that you can just walk up to a hotel manager and be like, yeah, we need to get in this room. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: But <laughs> I'm sure it was more formal than that. Like, I mean, like uh, I'm sure the manager was like, well, I have no idea who you are and all that stuff. And they, they would probably be like, you know, like, his name is Greg. He works for this company. We haven't seen him and he's not answering his calls. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet you that's why he did it. Really, it could be like, you know, he, he's not answering his phone. Well, I can't go in there and open the door. You could because there's probably a dead body in your fucking hotel. You could probably go open a door. <laughs> Well, anyway,
0: they found Greg lying prone on the floor near the door. An extinguished cigarette was cupped in his left hand under his body, and there was a wet spot noticeable on the crotch of his pajama pants, which wouldn't necessarily be unusual as most people void their bladder and or bowels when they die.
1: Yeah, guess what you're going to be doing when you draw your last breath.
0: (laughs) They all noticed that the room was exceptionally warm and stuffy, not how Greg usually kept it. Detective Scott Apple was called to the scene to investigate. I like him. <laughs> Aside from being a homicide detective, he is also one of the assault team leaders on the department SWAT team, so he's kind of badass. His initial thought and looking busy.
1: Yeah, God, that's a lot on his plate.
0: He's a busy guy. His initial thought looking at the scene was that it was a natural death, most likely a heart attack. There was no sign of a break in or a struggle in the room. There weren't any obvious injuries
1: on Greg's body. But that was the detective side, the SWAT side set off a flashbang and tear gas in the room for no reason, and then he breached the housekeeper's closet. We don't know where he got the M4 carbine from; it just kind of came out of nowhere. And he was like, "Cover me!" and the managers like, "What?" <laughs> that's why, that's why, with him, the rookies always puking outside because no matter where he goes, he has to clear a room with tear gas. <laughs>
0: After being flash banged, <laughs> God help you! If he
1: interrogates you, he's going to flash bang you and tear gas you. That's his standard. Like he came to interview me, but he had a vest on, he had a helmet, and he looked like one of the guards ready to rumble. He looked like one of the guards in Metal Gear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So yeah, there weren't any obvious injuries on Greg's body, and Greg's wallet was still in the back pocket of his jeans with $1,000 and $100 bills inside.
1: Like Blair, Baller, So baller, robbery
0: did not appear to be any kind of motive related to his death. No alcohol or drugs were found in the room, so overdose was unlikely. Other people staying in the hotel said that they never heard anything unusual the night before either. A police photographer photographed the scene and then Greg's body was taken to the Jefferson County Medical Examiner for an autopsy. Dr. Tommy Brown was a very experienced and well-respected medical examiner. I know him. Really?
1: We call him Tom. Tom B. Trustworthy guy.
0: I'm glad you have this close-knit relationship with the guy involved in this case we're covering.
1: Yeah, if I'd have known, I'd have called him. (laughs) I'd be like, Tom, care to talk about this? And he'd be like... (laughs) Why do you keep calling me? I don't know you. And I'm like, Tom. And then he hangs up every time. Every time. Every time. Texas people are just odd.
0: You're a Texas people. Yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Is there a point here? (laughs) You uh, are a Texan. I mean.
1: Yep. Don't mess with Texas. Or Tom. He'll hang up on you.
0: (laughs) Especially when he doesn't know who the fuck you are.
1: Or Detective Apple. He'll fuck your shit up.
0: He will. so yeah dr Brown uh, was so experienced and efficient that he could conduct a post-mortem exam in 45 minutes so he could like fillet somebody and pull out all their guts and look at everything thoroughly in 45 minutes
1: and again so the, either
0: that's really good or really scary
1: again this is making me think of the documentary seven <laughs> where like the, the quarter came in and pulled his head out of the spaghetti it was like ah he's dead the says like thank you doctor <laughs> <laughs>
0: There was a hematoma Hematoma. in the rectus and transverse abdominis.
1: Oh, and when you say it, you have to do your hands, too. There was a hematoma.
0: Hematoma. Yeah, this isn't a visual medium, so they couldn't see that. But Billy was making the hand motions that you will find in the documentary, Seven.
1: It's a very accurate hand motion, seeing as I had to watch this documentary with my wife at the time, fiancé, before that, girlfriend. I think I've watched that movie enough times to where I should own stock in the fucking movie, itself i should get royalties we should do that every time it gets seen (laughs) every time it gets seen morgan freeman should call me and be like hello billy and i'd be like morgan and then he just hangs up (laughs) i'll take it
0: That's cool (laughs) so uh when dr brown examined greg's body there wasn't really much to see on the outside
1: although he was very pissed off because detective apple had to breach and clear the doctor's office it's like the third (laughs) door they've replaced that week
0: (laughs) We're running out of doors.
1: <laughs> Detective Apple can you fucking stop? No, I can't. <laughs> I'll stop whatever you stop the death, doctor. I can't. Well, then.
0: <laughs> then it continues. What
1: if that's his protocol? Like, every time that he enters, he enters a room for investigating. He's like, this is the cripes. He's like, all right, well, we're going to need to breach and clear this room. He was like, what? <laughs> fucking why? <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs>
0: sound, that's sound. Sure.
1: You need a whole team to do that. They're outside. I'll bet they are. Yep. In the SWAT truck. I bet you brought it. Yep. I bet you brought it. What did you what did you show up in? Corolla. You showed up in a Corolla. But the SWAT team's out there? It's a ninety two. <laughs> Is that like the detective car that you're showing up? <laughs>
0: Well, there was a one-inch abrasion on his left cheek from where his face had hit the hotel carpet when he collapsed, and his scrotum was swollen and bruised, with the bruising spreading up through the groin and across the right hip.
1: God, I know what that's like. I don't. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) In the center of the swelling was a half-inch laceration.
1: I do know what that's like.
0: Yeah. You had a lot of half-inch lacerations
1: down there. Yep. I had to pack them. Had the balls cut open.
0: Yep. I had to pack his vagina. Mangina. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: They cut the perennial process. Is that what it's called? Perineum. Perennium. My taint. Taint gooch. They cut it. Yep. And it resembled a vagina. It did. Remember when I was high off of Percocet and I had like three beers and I, and you had you had to clean it and I was I had my laser there. I'm like, hey baby and I like I was rubbing my <laughs> you gotta have fun with it you know yeah
0: we're straying way off topic into some
1: deep shit here (laughs) yeah sorry guys had my balls cut open laceration go
0: yep erica go (laughs) so uh aside from you know the laceration the abrasion on his cheek and then the swollen and bruised scrotum i mean these were the only external injuries noted Now, when Dr. Brown opened up Greg's torso and abdomen, it was a whole different story. There was extensive internal damage and a large amount of pooled blood. Lacerations were found on the intestines, the stomach, and the liver. He had two broken ribs as well. And to top it off, there was a hole in the right atrium of his heart. His injuries resembled a crushing accident, as if something heavy had fallen on him or he'd been in a car wreck. But the outside of his body didn't reflect that.
1: I don't know. When you get kicked in the balls, Blair you feel Twitch it all your... the way. When you take a kick in the balls, you feel it throughout your whole fucking body. <laughs> you don't need to get crushed. Everywhere. That was just
0: the shock just from
1: crush the balls. All the other bones will shatter.
0: Ah, I see.
1: And you'll have a hole in your heart.
0: Evidently, it yeah. blows
1: up your heart. The more you know.
0: <laughs> Doctor Brown concluded that the scrotal injury had most likely been caused by a fierce kick. Possibly
1: by someone wearing steel-toed boots. Me and Tom think like I should call him and be like, dude, I'm with you.
0: And he would say,
1: stop fucking calling me, I'm calling the police. I'd be like, who, Apple? <laughs> and he'd be like, yes, Apple. I'd be like, I gotta go. And then I'll hang up.
0: <laughs> He'll breach my shit. <laughs> <laughs> he believed that the internal damages were caused by a severe blow to the chest hard enough to be lethal. He believed he would have bled out in less than 30 seconds. It was decided that Greg Flanagan's death was a homicide from blunt force trauma to the chest and abdomen. Even though he didn't have any injuries noticeable on his chest or abdomen, only like his groin.
1: Was this from his famed 45 minute fucking post? Yeah. Yeah. His. Maybe should. Tom, take take more than 45 minutes, Tom. Yeah.
0: There aren't many murders in Beaumont, and there definitely hadn't been any this strange. Detective Apple started re questioning people and running down leads. The evidence just didn't add up. How does a man get beaten and kicked so severely without leaving more damage to the outside of his body? And he would have had to have been beaten so severely that it caused internal lacerations and ruptures. But the room didn't show any signs of a struggle. So maybe Greg was beaten elsewhere and then returned to the room? But then why did he still have a cigarette cupped in his hand? Surely if someone had dumped him back in his room... They wouldn't have thought to put a halfway smoked cigarette in his hand to, like, stage the scene.
1: Makes me think of another documentary. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because when they opened her up, she had all this shit that was wrong with her. But she was, like, pristine and perfect on the outside. Not even a freckle. Like, everything was perfect. Yeah. And it's like, how does that, you know? Yeah.
0: So, (laughs) none of this made any sense to Detective Apple. And he realized no one really had a reason to kill Greg. He was considered a good guy who was good to his wife. He had been liked at his company. He stayed to himself at the hotel.
1: He digs candy bars. Who could hate a guy that likes candy bars?
0: (laughs) So he goes back to the last person to see Greg alive, the maintenance man. Turns out the maintenance man had a rap sheet as a sex offender. So Apple was kind of thinking, could the injury to Greg's scrotum be from like a screwdriver or a tool that the maintenance man had? And it was some kind of just bizarre sexual assault. This theory never really led anywhere after Apple spoke with the man numerous times and investigated his background and whereabouts that night.
1: Man, I'm so glad I'm not that maintenance guy (laughs) because I know my sense of humor. As soon as you mentioned screwdriver, like, yeah, I screwed him. (laughs) Especially if you're a sex offender. Yeah. How do you not make that joke?
0: (laughs) The other theory Apple started working on involved the men who had been in the next room, room 349, the night of the murder. And that was the room that part of the power went out to. So there was a group of electricians from Wisconsin staying in the hotel that were doing a long job for a local oil company. Three of them had been in room 349 drinking the night of the murder. Could possibly one of them have gotten upset about the power outage and in drunken stupidity gone over to Greg's room and confronted him? All of them have been questioned and said that they didn't have any interactions with Greg and added that they had heard him coughing from his room when they came back up from the bar in the middle of the night.
1: And smelled like buttery, delicious popcorn.
0: (laughs) They all seemed confused and were asking what had happened to Greg. All of the other electricians were questioned but had no more to offer. They all gave the detectives their numbers so that they could be contacted if anything else was needed. In November, Greg's family put up a $50,000 reward for information about Greg's murder, but nothing really ever came of it. In the spring, Susie, frustrated that the investigation wasn't going anywhere called a man named Ken Brennan. I like him. (laughs) Brennan is a former Long Island cop with a thick New York accent. He was also a DEA agent who then became a private investigator in Florida. She told him the story and sent him what information she could for him to review. He made a trip to Lafayette to speak with Susie in April, asking about the marriage, fidelity, insurance, anything that could lead to a reason for her to possibly be involved in the murder. He cleared her of being involved pretty quickly. He asked her if anything about the crime scene seemed off to her. Reminiscent of Seven. when she's like, that painting. It's upside down. It's upside down. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he asked her if anything seemed off, if maybe anything had been missed. And she said that the fact that the room was warm was very strange because Greg always kept the room in the 60s. This detail led Brennan to narrow down the time of death. And this is pretty it's pretty good thinking. He believed that when the maintenance man restored the power, the AC didn't automatically come back on, and Greg probably didn't notice it right away. It would have taken a few minutes for the room to start feeling warmer and Greg never noticed it before he was killed. So Brennan concluded that Greg would have had to have been killed shortly after the maintenance man left the room. the AC was never turned back on, and that's why the room got so stuffy overnight. Brennan stated, quote, In September, it's hot as fucking Beaumont, Texas, end quote. I like him. (laughs) I like this guy. (laughs) Brennan then took a trip to Beaumont and met with Detective Apple, and they began working the case together. They went over the crime scene photos, the autopsy results, and Apple informed Brennan about everything involved in the investigation. Brennan asked Susie which hand Greg held his cigarettes in, and she told him he always used his right hand. But the cigarette was found in his left hand under his body. So Brennan concluded that Greg had been smoking with his right hand on the bed and had gotten up, headed towards the door and then switched the cigarette to his left hand so that he could use his right hand to open the door.
1: I don't know. Now I'm just doing it.
0: That just totally sounded Cosby jello pudding.
1: Bom. Bom. <laughs> <laughs> it puts the quaaludes in the no, Okay.
0: <laughs> Oh, that was good. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, he figured he switched his cigarette into the other hand to open the door, but he never did actually open the door because he collapsed. So then what happened from the bed to the doorway if no one struggled with him in the room?
1: Quit smoking. It's going to make your bones snap and put a hole in your heart. (laughs)
0: Evidently. I mean, could something have happened actually right in the doorway? So they've narrowed down the time and now they're like, okay, he could have only lived for less than a minute and he made it from the bed to almost the doorway. So what the fuck happened to this guy when his insides look like they exploded? Brennan started thinking about the electricians in the room next door and the possibility that they could have been involved, even though Apple had already questioned these guys. But then he thought, well, they wore steel-toed boots, which Dr. Brown said could have been a contributor to the scrotal injuries on Greg. So Brennan figured that if something had happened with them, that one of them probably would have talked about it or said something to their friends or other co-workers. So Apple and Brennan started talking to other electricians and going over surveillance footage from the hotel. The video showed Greg coming in from work, and it also showed the electricians carrying in beer and making other trips carrying items in and out. Nothing really suspicious on the video. But when they went back to Beaumont in late May, The union electricians had been gone for several months. They went back to Wisconsin. So Apple and Brennan started questioning the local workers that had worked with them. One of the crew foremen said he had heard a story about a gun going off in a boarding house. Just kind of a vague general story that he kind of overheard. Now with that information, Apple and Brennan returned to the hotel to start searching for signs of a gunshot. The two searched the two rooms, 348 and 349, from top to bottom. They were about to give up when they noticed indentations in the walls of both rooms that appeared to have been spackled.
1: Now, to me, this is some true detective...
0: Yeah. Real detective work. So... You know, like,
1: when they solve a case, when anybody solves a case, they're like, you know what they It was good old-fashioned detective and police work, but, this was. This this one was. I'm not saying the other ones aren't, but maybe, maybe it's like, oh, well, no. He, he left his... It's got his fingerprint right there. He's like, that's not good old facts, police work. That's just police work. But yeah, this, this is... This
0: Brendan guy, he knows his shit. Yeah. And it's nothing against Apple because he was too busy breaching doors and throwing flashbangs, evidently. Yeah. But, I mean, he he did the initial investigation and then once Brennan came in, the two of them together like were a powerhouse.
1: Yeah, I think it was one of those things where like, it's like, look at that indentation in the wall. And he's like, 10 4, let's do it. Go! 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 <laughs> Apple, calm the fuck down.
0: Apple, stop your shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's with this guy?
1: <laughs> yeah, because he's to kind of the organisation. Forget about it. It's <laughs> <This> fucking asshole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, they searched the rooms, they found these holes that look like they were spackled. The hole in room 349 was smaller and patched with what was discovered eventually to be a light pink toothpaste. The hole in 348, Greg's room...
1: It is a life hack that can be done. Yeah. Toothpaste will spackle a wall.
0: Yeah, obviously. You did it. Oh, toothpaste.
1: Pretty sure you did. Toothpaste and toilet paper. You plugged a hole. I did it with glue. Oh, really? Yeah. Use toothpaste next time.
0: Not pink toothpaste, evidently.
1: No, asshole. (laughs) So the I'm gonna, whole... I'm going to fucking test you, and I'm going to put a hammer in the wall, and I'll be like, get us some toothpaste, see if this shit works.
0: <laughs> and that's when I pack up my bags and I leave.
1: <laughs> the last podcast you guys will ever hear will be just me going, Eric, I left and took the kids, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. Do, do, do. Do, <laughs> So, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. The the hole in Greg's room, three forty eight. It was larger, and it had actually been spackled, like by maintenance guys at the hotel. So when the investigators ran a dowel rod with a laser through the hole from three forty nine to three forty eight, Greg's room, the laser pointed to just above the height of the bed and right to the headboard that Greg would have been propped up against. Here's Brennan's words on it:
1: Clear shot. I said Scott does shot. This he motherfucker even, was shot. He even moved like a New Yorker, you know? <laughs> this fucking guy I was... I fucking forget about it. <laughs> this fucking asshole, man. I like this guy. <laughs> There's no question. There's no question. <laughs> forget about it. That's all I really know to say is forget about an forget asshole. Forget about it. <laughs> hey, what, what am I? What am I, some type of asshole? <laughs> Fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> I actually work with a CEO. And uh, he's from uh, New Jersey and so they call him Jersey and he has got the strongest like New Jersey, New York accent and he's always chomping gum. He is the stereotypical New Jersey, New York guy. It is fucking hilarious. Ask him about the Mets or something.
1: (laughs) Watch him go off or be elated.
0: Like when I I need them to bring officers out to me, he's like, okay, which asshole you want next? (laughs) 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 He's fucking great. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Apple and Brennan took this information to Dr. Brown, who was not buying it. He insisted that Greg had been beaten, but they wouldn't be able to charge someone with shooting Greg and killing him if the medical examiner's findings stated that he was beaten to death. Greg's body could not be exhumed for reexamination because, well, he'd been cremated. Yep. So his body was burnt the fuck up and it wasn't come back. And as far as a bullet being found... Well, the cremation ovens are hot enough to destroy small metal fragments. So, kind of out of luck there.
1: Technically, in a weird way, the bullet is in the oven. Just ash in the bottom of the oven.
0: It's probably just, yeah, molten glue at the bottom of the oven. So, the investigators started reminding Dr. Brown, you know, Billy's good buddy, of... uh, Tom! (laughs) ...of all of Greg's internal injuries going over the autopsy photos one by one, trying to explain that a bullet entering through the scrotum and up through the body could have caused all of the lacerations, the fractured ribs, and the internal bleeding. The skin on the scrotum had actually folded over the entry wound, making it less obvious. This is what they're suggesting. The doctor admitted that a bullet could cause damage like what was seen, but that wasn't the case with Greg... No, no, no. He continued to insist that Greg had been beaten. Do
1: you think it's because he's a doctor or maybe doctors just don't want to be told they're wrong? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So this has nothing to do with Greg anymore? It has to do Yeah, with...
0: it's, no, this is what I found and I can't be wrong because I do autopsies in 45 minutes. So, meh.
1: Maybe it's because you did an autopsy in 45 fucking minutes and exactly. that's why you're wrong.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, they continued to argue this with him about, you know- this obviously wasn't a beating. There's no other injuries on the outside of his body.
1: You really, you were about to say cockamamie. Cockamamie. Yeah, like they really, they they continued on with this cockamamie. You, this you, malarkey. You really had that look on your face, like <laughs> is she about to do it? She didn't do it.
0: No, I didn't. <laughs> but uh, when they got to the photos of Greg's heart with the hole through the right atrium, Brendan thought it would be obvious to the doctor.
1: Doctor was like, Nah, it's a birth defect. I'm not wrong. <laughs>
0: Dr. Brown explained that sometimes when people are hit or kicked with a tremendous force in the chest, that it is the right atrium that usually bursts. I mean, he was really clinging to anything to make his decisions. Well, it's not
1: so much that it burst. It had a hole in it. Can a kick do that?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Brennan, classy as ever, showing the doctor the autopsy photo of the hole in the heart said, quote, that's a bullet hole, Doc. That's a fucking bullet hole. End quote. <laughs>
1: That's a bullet hole, Doc. That's a fucking bullet hole. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. <laughs> Could have been better. Good. I gotta work on my my my, my New York accent.
0: Yeah. Doctor Brown finally admitted that it was indeed a bullet hole, and then added, "quote The media is going to kill me on this." End
1: quote. It was about him
0: exactly because I mean, this was months and months later. He'd already been laid to rest and the investigation had been going on and he's saying this whole time, it's all over the news, this guy was beaten to death. No, he wasn't. He was shot through the wall, up through his scrotum, and up through his body. And he just lived long enough to get up from the bed in his sheer panic and pain to try and make it to the door and then just fucking went down.
1: He made Crazy. Made it to the door, switched cigarette. switch hands yeah and then drop dead tell you what um dr brown or i'm
0: sorry if i was shot up through a scrotum that i don't have but if i had one and i was shot up through it and through my body i probably would have dropped the fucking cigarette he was still holding the shit (laughs) he's committed (laughs) yeah
1: well doc um or tom um tom b you can always live moss taco bell's hiring <laughs> I saw a sign today.
0: They, I think, they're always hiring. So it's Mac- Mickey D's,
1: the Golden Arches It's good job security because they're they're uh, when the weather turns, they're gonna bring back the nacho fries. So I mean,
0: <laughs> I will be there. Those things are fucking amazing.
1: They are. I want them to sell uh, that seasoning. I
0: would put it on everything.
1: Man, <laughs> it's so good.
0: Well, the investigators now have. That's
1: the- how I would eat a salad. Sprinkle the seasoning on no. the salad. I'll <laughs> eat it. I am like, yeah, this damn good salad. I kind of want to puke, but not that bad.
0: <laughs> well, the investigators now had the cause of death and had narrowed down the time of death and knew where the bullet was fired from. They-
1: and Dr. Brown was in the corner crying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what, if he did, what if he went home that night? Because, you know, doctors always have that big tumbler, that glass thing of brown liquid, usually scotch, probably. <laughs> Is always out waiting a for kar-off. him, you know, and um, and uh, they always for some reason have fresh ice. I don't know how that happens, but they always go in a bucket and put it. In. I bet you like, I
0: didn't know this was a definitive thing for all doctors to have.
1: I know like at least 72 doctors or none, and <laughs> I had this like, like he just sat there, like in his fireplace. He's like got his hand on the mantle, just take this. sip. He's like, I'm fucked, <laughs> I'm fucked. Fuck, 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 fuck. I bet you, yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck,
0: fuck, fuck, God fuck. damn it, son of a bitch.
1: And at the end of the night, glass. He was cross. The glass went in the fucking fireplace.
0: Probably. He was
1: probably like, motherfucker. And then he was cross.
0: And then he was cross. God
1: damn it, son of a bitch.
0: God damn it, son of a bitch. So.
1: We just made a life for this doctor. <laughs> documentary. You know. I mean, you should know. You're such good friends. I know. <laughs> he signed my yearbook. I never bought one. <laughs> this has been fabricated the entire time. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, they narrowed down all the stuff and they just had to figure out which of the three electricians that had been in the room 349 had actually shot the fatal round. Room 349 was rented out to electricians Lance Mueller and Tim Steinmetz. They had been joined in the room that night by their co-worker, Trent Passano. They had all told the police after the incident that they had been drinking in the room, went down to the bar for a while, came back up to the room, and had heard Greg coughing next door in the middle of the night. They never heard or saw anything strange, and they definitely didn't say anything about a gun. Apple and Brennan made a trip up to their hometown in Wisconsin, so not only did he already travel from Florida to fucking Louisiana and then to fucking Texas, now Brennan's flying all the way up to fucking Wisconsin.
1: Is the widow helping with this?
0: Yeah. She's I, the one that contacted
1: no, him. No, I mean, I hope like he, I hope Brennan gets a hold of her and is like, I'm in Wisconsin now, and and then she's like, I got your gas. Oh, I'm sure Something. she
0: was paying him as a private investigator. Yeah. So I'm
1: sure she was footing the bill. Because travel expenses, that's a bitch. Yeah, I mean, that's to go all to go. the way
0: from the complete southern border of the country to the complete northern border of the country. Why did I assume
1: they drove? Why would you do that? Just get in the fucking oh, plane. Oh, no, no, they flew. Yeah, why would you? Yeah. I want to fly to Chicago for the podcast convention. Yeah, I know. And that's know. next door to us. <laughs> and I want to fly. Like,
0: seriously, like a five-hour drive. It's not that bad.
1: No, I want to fly. <laughs> I'd rather just fly. <laughs>
0: Everyone go to TC, I think it's tcpf2019.com. Go check out for the festival in Chicago where you can meet us, and meet other great podcasters. So go look that up. True Crime Podcast Festival 2019 in Chicago. But uh, anyway, they make this trip up to Wisconsin where the electricians had returned months prior after they finished that job. They spoke to Steinmetz in an interview room at the Chippewa County Sheriff's Department on june first, twenty eleven, and were nice as could be, explaining that it was just standard procedure, that they needed notarized statements. And uh, he told his whole story again with Apple writing it down in a statement.
1: Everybody was very emotional or bothered by the tear gas that went off. <laughs>
0: He was like, why are you doing this? (laughs) I'm more than happy to give you a statement. I'm happy you're here. (laughs) So uh, Apple wrote all this down, and then he had Steinmetz go over it and correct anything that needed corrected. And it was then notarized. Steinmetz asked, is that it? And Brennan's tone, boom, changed. He said, quote, it was until you signed that statement. Now you've got a problem. Is that it? Hang on a second. It wasn't the assignment signed statement. Now you got a problem. Okay. You don't think that we know the story? That we don't know what the hell went on here? Of course we know. What are you, a moron? We know. <laughs> what are you, a moron?
1: <laughs> I love him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> they told Steinmetz that they knew what really happened and that they knew he was covering for Lance Mueller and explained that he would be going to jail with Mueller if he didn't start telling the truth. Steinmetz finally gave the whole story, which was corroborated later that day by the third man in the room, Trent Pisano. The three men had been in the room drinking beer, and Mueller asked Pisano to go get a bottle of whiskey and his 9mm Ruger pistol from his car and bring them up to the room.
1: That's a great idea. Combine those two things. Yeah,
0: perfect. Liquor and firearms? Great. Pisano could be seen on the surveillance footage doing just that. Back in the room, Mueller being drunk and very stupid which goes without saying, started playing around with the gun, pointing it at his
1: friends.
0: (laughs) And it's loaded.
1: That's such a bad thing to do.
0: When he pointed it at Pisano, it discharged, and Pisano actually thought that he had been hit for a minute. It struck the wall right next to him. Both Steinmetz and Pisano said that Mueller freaked out, bundled up the gun, and took it back to his car, which could be seen on the video as well. Passano went back to his own hotel room, and Mueller and Steinmetz went downstairs to the bar. Steinmetz said that they didn't even know that someone was in the next room until they heard the man coughing sometime after midnight, but the investigators thought that maybe the drunken men confused Greg's coughing for another night, wanting desperately for the gun discharge to have nothing to do with his death. Steinmetz admitted that when he saw Greg's body being removed the next morning, quote, I thought he had killed that guy, end quote. The investigators asked if anyone ever even knocked on Greg's door to see if he was okay, and Steinmetz said
1: no. I mean, okay, that could show that that's a kind of shitty thing to do that you didn't even bother to check, but given what happened, would it have mattered? I mean, he was done.
0: It didn't matter, but it goes to show that they never once said, oh my God, that was us, sorry. They saw the man being wheeled out dead the next day.
1: Yeah, I get that part, but it's like... Well, I mean, did you go check on him? Uh, you know what I did? And I did CPR. didn't work. Go fig. Because he had a hole in but, his heart. But
0: then they probably would never have any charges pressed. Yeah. If it had been a true accident and yeah. they went to try and render aid. Yeah. Nothing probably would have ever happened.
1: Probably like, oh, they probably got some charges. The man died.
0: Maybe just some type of, man you know. Manslaughter. I don't even oh. think it would have been that. It probably would have been something related to the discharge of the gun. I really don't think that they would have even gotten, like, manslaughter. After giving his truthful statement, Steinmetz called Mueller on speakerphone while Apple recorded it. Steinmetz told him that he had come clean to the cops, and Mueller asked, quote, about the gun going off and all that? Steinmetz said, yep. Mueller asked what the investigator said, and Steinmetz said, quote, not much. I don't know if they're going to get a hold of you or Trent or what the hell they're going to do, end quote. Mueller sighed and then groaned. And Steinmetz told Mueller that Greg had died from a gunshot and Mueller refused to believe it. He said his lawyer had gotten a copy of the autopsy report, you know, the bunk one, that didn't say anything about a gunshot wound and that the story had been all over the news with no mention of a gunshot. Mueller had convinced himself that the accidental gunshot and the death of the man in the next hotel room were merely a huge coincidence. You would never connect the two. You accidentally fired a gunshot. Through your wall into the next room, and the next day the guy's being brought out dead. But they had no correlation.
1: Couldn't possibly have been the gun.
0: No. Mueller called Brennan later, very intoxicated, because that seems to be what he likes to do, saying he wanted to make a statement. I need to talk to you. I need to make a statement about I... the night in question.
1: Okay, listen, 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 listen. Seriously. <laughs> You needed to hear this. (laughs) I got something to say. It's going to be said to to you. You're lucky. (laughs) So, (laughs) here. No.
0: Brennan cut him off. Brennan said, you're drunk. I suggest you call your fucking attorney. You're
1: you're really good at that.
0: Thanks. (laughs) As prosecutors began looking into charges and potential plea deals.
1: I bet that sobered him up real quick. You're drunk. I suggest you call your attorney. I bet you, like, thing. is like, oh, fuck.
0: And not just attorney, you're fucking attorney.
1: You're fucking attorney. You're
0: fucking attorney. Okay, sorry. <laughs> As prosecutors began looking into charges and potential plea deals, Brennan flew to Beaumont to meet with Detective Apple and Paul Noyola, an investigator for the DA's office. Noyola explained that gun discharges were kind of a gray area in the Texas criminal code. Brennan was pissed and arranged to have Susie flown in to meet with the assistant DA on the case. Another issue with the case was that Mueller had left the Ruger pistol with the lawyer before heading back to Wisconsin, and it was still locked in the lawyer's safe, with the lawyer fighting efforts to have it turned over. So not only did he not want to accept the fact that he probably killed a guy, but then he took the gun that killed the guy to a lawyer and said, Hey, lock this up for me. And then the lawyer was like, No, I'm not going to turn it over to you. That's pretty shady.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is what Brennan recalls saying. Quote... I suggest you go down there with a search warrant and a fucking blowtorch and go get the fucking weapon. It's evidence of a capital crime. What the fuck are you talking about? The victim was important to everybody here. And we're not going to let this thing be brushed under the rug. Let somebody take a plea on this. This is not a fucking accident. An accident is when somebody comes in, has taken off their gun, their gun discharges, and God forbid somebody gets hit. That's one thing. It's a completely different thing when somebody fucking brings a gun that they shouldn't have into another fucking state. Shit faced drunk fucking around with a gun. The people with him realize that something bad could happen. He discharges around, almost kills the guy he's with, and then he does kill somebody on the other side of the wall. He knows that something that could happen. It's an occupied hotel. He doesn't even bother to knock on the door next door to see if anybody's hurt. And after that, his answer to the whole thing is to go get drunk some more in the fucking bar of the hotel? And then when he sees a body being taken out the next day, and he is 100% certain he killed somebody, he decides not to say anything about it, but run to his attorney and leave the fucking weapon in a safe, and the fucking attorney doesn't say anything about it either? You know what that is? That's fucking murder. So if you think you're going to forget about this fucking thing, think again, because that ain't fucking happening.
1: End quote. Fade of black.
0: Thank you. That Thank you. That was
1: really good. know was weird. Is when you have a couple of drinks, you kind of stump on your words, but when you have a New Yorker accent, you kind of just do it. (laughs) I'm kind of thinking from now on, you should just be Yonkers Erica. Do every episode
0: from now on. Yonkers (laughs) Erica go. (laughs) New York accent. (laughs) I just thought, I know that was a long quote, but I had to put all of it in there.
1: It was just, it was needed. The
0: whole thing.
1: Because that's just gold. It's one of those things where like if you're interviewing later, like I really got into character. I felt it. And I needed to portray it as it needed to be portrayed.
0: And I probably did a huge disservice to all New Yorkers and their accent. But hey, Hey,
1: I did my best. From over here, that was fucking great. It was fucking amazing. It It was fucking murder.
0: It's fucking murder. Okay. So Lance Mueller ended up pleading no contest to manslaughter and faced up to 20 years in prison.
1: Oh, by the way, your reading was, again, amazing. But look at the quote he actually gave. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I'm saying. That's why I had to leave all of it
0: in, because everything you said was just fucking amazing.
1: Yeah, it usually was shorted out to where like he was like, that's fucking bullshit. you know?
0: Yeah. Not no, this, that was a whole this, fucking this,
1: paragraph. <laughs> that whole fucking conversation. It had to all be in there. One-sided conversation. <laughs> but after that, they were like, okay. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, I, I, I see your point. Uh, Duly noted. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, he ended up pleading no contest. And uh, if he had fessed up from the very beginning, he may not have faced any prison time. But the fact that he hid the gun, tried to patch the bullet hole with fucking pink toothpaste, and then went down to the bar to get even more drunk and never once checked to see if the bullet had actually injured anyone kind of sealed his fate. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison on October 29th of 2012. And I tried to find him in the Texas offender lookup, but there weren't any results on his name. So I'm not sure if maybe they drop off of the lookup if they are released but it's very likely that he is out now as he would have become eligible for parole in late 2016. So I'm assuming that probably once they're released, they fall off of that offender locator. Uh, so yeah, that's the crazy one in a million chance mysterious death of Greg Flinnigan, RIP. I mean, who would think that you'd just be laying in a hotel bed and get shot in your fucking balls. <laughs>
1: Breaks my heart for
0: him. (laughs) I mean, that's just... And he was a good guy.
1: Oh, man. Shot through the balls, ripped up his body, and pierced his heart, man.
0: And even though this wasn't, you know, like an intentional homicide, I mean, you don't mix booze and guns. You just... You don't. That's just... No. and, And to not even... He didn't even have the gun just on him. He sent somebody down to go get his gun and bring it up, and he started fucking pointing it at people.
1: Yeah. And... You know the thing that gets me is like it, you you when it, when it comes to drinking and everything, you would treat a gun the same way you treat a car a set of car keys like whenever I crack open a beer, car keys are never touched. yep, and if I was to crack open a beer or crack yeah, if I was to crack open a beer, the gun is unloaded and locked away, and you don't need to mess with it. That's yeah. not your concern. your concern is have a couple of drinks have some fun. Mm-hmm. that's it, but
0: and you know you guys know we like to drink on this episode i mean that's the only time i really
1: drink is when we're recording she's a fucking lush don't let her fucking lie
0: no i'm not
1: no remember that time i got you out of the alley when you called me and you were like i'm so hammered i puked in a dumpster is chick-fil-a open and i'm like where are you remember that
0: you are really good at spinning some tails
1: well no because we got chicken i lied
0: i remember being so drunk that i fell and broke my glasses
1: I, but, lied. I lied about everything I said just now.
0: But that was one time. And I haven't drank tequila since. <laughs> but yeah. We have no qualms about anyone drinking. But drink responsibly. Don't fucking play with firearms. Don't go out and cause trouble. Don't pick fights with people. Be somewhere where you're safe. Don't get behind a wheel. Drink responsibly. Be like adult. they say in every fucking alcohol commercial. Be an adult. Yeah. Be an adult.
1: Because t- all it takes is that one thing. Now you're fucked. Yep. You know?
0: Drink at someone's home. Don't get in a car. You go out to a bar. Call a taxi. Call an Uber. Call a Lyft. Don't which, mess with fucking guns. Which
1: coincides with what I said, I believe, in like the last episode, you know, about drinking and stuff like that. About the liquor store. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I have to turn away people who are drunk. Because if you're drunk and I serve you and you run over a kid, I'm an accessory now. Yeah, And I have to live with myself. Mm-hmm. But I'm also an accessory because I gave you, I provided you with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And that's going to be one of the first things they fucking ask you, too. Where'd you get that last bottle of rum? You know, at, I almost said the fucking store name. But, you know, such <laughs> and such, you know, on such and such street. And they're going to fucking show and be like, did you do this? And and even if you're like, I didn't know he was drunk. And they'll just go, let's check your footage. Because they have a CCTV. Mm-hmm. They'll go. Let's check your footage and let's see. Let's see what I think. Yeah. And let's see
0: if they're weaving.
1: Next thing you know, I have handcuffs on. And I have. I, and I always told. I told somebody that today. They were like, she came in and she was like, uh, she bought a, a fifth of Jaeger and she took down half of it with a friend. And she came in and she was like, I need another fifth of Jaeger. I'm like, really? Who wants to drink that much Jaeger? Yeah. Ugh. She went and grabbed another one. She was walking fine and everything. But as she was walking up the road, she was like, oh, God, I'm so drunk. I was like, ah, nope, Yep. Can't say that. As soon as you say that. Ah, 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 ah. ah, ah, ah. She's like, oh, come on. How many drunk people a day do you serve? I said, zero. I throw them out.
0: Like I'm doing to you I was, right now. I was
1: like, hand me the <laughs> bottle, please. And she handed me the bottle. I was like, okay, thank you. Get the fuck out of my store. <laughs> and Nine times out of ten, they come back a day or so later, and they're like, thank you. Um that would have put me over. Mm-hmm. You know, that that would have done me in. So, yeah. But that's how... That's, how that's where the works.
0: scale would have tipped. Yep. Yep. So, bottom line, don't be a douche, don't be stupid, drink responsibly. Yeah. Don't shoot people in the balls. Yeah. So Yeah, just don't be an asshole.
1: Don't be a fucking Don't be dick.
0: a fucking asshole. Am I an asshole? Don't be an asshole.
1: i oh, find this motherfucker over here. I'll oh, forget about it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Spider-Man. He's in New York. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you liked what you heard, you can really help us out by getting on iTunes, leaving a five-star rating and a review. Actually, anywhere that you're able to leave a rating, a review, a good remark, share a post, any of that stuff is greatly appreciated. And we also would like you to get on uh, murder.ly. Check out the other great podcast on the Murderly Network, which we have a home with. And so uh, many great podcasts. On show that. them some love. Mm-hmm. Find all of us at Murder.ly. And if you would like to be a real baller and financially support the show. Please go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash and make a pledge. And even just $1 gets you access to all of our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show.
1: This one might be a little bit behind because...
0: We've gotten some new ones damn. this month. And I, I did mention in our post earlier today, we haven't forgotten about you guys. There was a, a problem with... The people printing our stationery saying that we needed to approve something that I approved like three weeks ago. Yeah,
1: I'm not going to say the name of the company. But like, we've already said. Every day it's like, can you check this and confirm it? Can you check this and confirm it? And I, I almost want to answer for you on the email. I'm like, can you just fucking make yeah. the goddamn fucking papers? So,
0: I mean, I could send you guys just, you know, send your stickers without like a fucking thank you card or whatever if you guys want it that way but i figured it would be nice to have the nice stationery and the thank you card i like being thorough because i am going to send the new stickers out to all of our patrons even if you've already gotten stickers of ours before and we did have someone contact us about leaving a review and we will be sending a sticker out to you as well i just got to get the address from billy absolutely um so yeah if you leave a review, uh, share a post, anything like that, send us a screenshot of that and we will be more than happy to send you a sticker no matter where you're at. I believe she was from Canada, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, we've sent stuff to Canada. We've sent stuff to Ireland, to the UK. So whatever part of the world you're living at, we will get a sticker to you. That is not a problem at all. Just- so
1: rest assured, Rachel Hill, we are on it.
0: We are. We are just running behind. Billy's got to get his little snuggle bunny hands working on some keychains for some new patrons as well. So we will get all those out to you guys. Just please be patient with us because this month has just been kind of (laughs) screwy. 2019 started off kind of (laughs) weird. You know, with migraines and back injuries and problems with printing and (laughs) getting locked down in a prison. That kind of stuff. That, that not, old chestnut. It's not
1: even, like, it's not even, like, 2000. It's just been weird. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> 2000, he's off to a bad start. It's just been, oh, oh, oh Fucking oh, really? All at once? A strange run at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, I, I'm not going to shout out all the patrons this time, because, like I said, we do have new ones that have joined since uh, I printed this out, because um, we were actually going to record this last week. But, thank you to all of you, especially Amy, our baller yo, she's our, our top patron, we do want to thank all of you guys. You have our undying love. We really appreciate it. And if you don't want to do like a monthly thing and you just want to make a one-time donation, you can choose the amount. Just visit our PayPal link. It's on our website, martinisandthemacab.com And it's near the bottom of the homepage underneath the Patreon links. I already told you about Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're also on Instagram, which I don't update very often, but that's martinisandthemacab as well. Uh, fan page friends who like martinis and macabre usually if we share to one of the facebook pages we share to the other and that automatically goes to our twitter too so if you're following one of those chances are you're going to get kind of the same content but we also have a lot of listeners that share and post on the facebook pages and they don't necessarily always post to both so really you should join both so you're catching all of the good funny shit
1: yep and i'll tell you something i love about amy Mm-hmm. amy barton
0: she's amazing
1: did you read she said today? I have not. Okay. Well, when you put out about you know, the episode, mm-hmm. going to be a bit late and it th- should have us and everything. Amy said, and we love you, Amy. <laughs> Sorry, you guys are slopping in the mud right now. The thing about mud is it'll either dry up or you'll reach the end of it. Keep keeping on.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Amy. Aww. You are such a baller, yo.
1: And Bonnie Lee.
0: Bonnie. Another yep. one. Amazing.
1: Yep. You the, can
0: listen to her on yeah. writing about crime.
1: Yep. Life happens. I just hope everyone is not stressing out. That's how you get a cold, headache, and other stuff. You got to take her slow and easy sometimes. We will always be here when you're ready. Um, Vanessa Keddy yeah. said, uh, Worth the wait. No worries, guys.
0: Aw, you guys are so sweet.
1: Jennifer
0: Anglis, maybe?
1: Jennifer Anglis.
0: Hopefully we're saying that right. If not, you can correct sorry, us. Sorry,
1: if we if we fucked it up. So hope Billy feels better. I do. Um, <laughs> I believe it was a pinch nerve, and
0: yeah, he he did the same thing to his back that I've done to my back twice now, and all, it is excruciating. All it
1: takes is lifting something and turn that one just turn that turn, mm-hmm. which makes me think of like how fucking fragile the human body actually is. Yeah. All it takes is one little thing, you're out of commission. And then we have, um, Kayla Kane. Hope you have murdered the migraine by now. Last one I had uh, (laughs) finally left. I'm sorry. The last one I had finally left after I took a double dose of CBD oil to Excedrin Mm. and had a Dr. Pepper. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the trick. Maybe.
0: Because everything I tried did not work. And I literally tried everything we had in the house and it was awful. (laughs) Except
1: here's the thing that I think can cure migraine. Just let me hit you in the face with a shovel. It'll lay you right out.
0: It might. You have to hit just hard enough that you knock me out without fracturing my skull. Okay. Has to be the perfect amount of sure. force.
1: Sure. Give me like three tries.
0: <laughs> I bet I only need two. <laughs> let, let, let me
1: troubleshoot and then I'll be able to fucking cure your Maybe you're hanging, be your fucking guinea pig. Cure king. your migraine. <laughs> well, like, What's wrong, honey? I got a migraine. <gasps> no, 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 no. <laughs> what are you doing with that hammer? And you wake up with pink toothpaste on your
0: head. (laughs) You tried to spackle me. (laughs) Tried to spackle you. Uh, We're laughing at my potential misfortune (laughs) as Billy decides to
1: murder me. Caved in head (laughs) is what Mm, you're looking at. Brains.
0: All right. So, yeah. Make sure you visit our website, martinisandtheMacab.com. There's a little bio about us, some pictures. You can listen to the complete episode catalog, listen to all the songs created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. And actually this is the final song that I have from Minimus Noah at this time. So someone suggested maybe going back through and picking like the greatest hits until he comes up with some new music. Um, I've asked him, he's, He says he definitely plans on doing some more this summer. I don't know if he's going to do any in between them, but uh, I may start throwing some of the older ones back in there and kind of change things up. But this is the last new original song by him um, that actually he created not too long ago. I will put that at the end of this one. I cannot remember the name of it right now off the top of my head, but it will be in the show notes. And you can find his first official album release. It's called Views. B-I-E-W-S It's on iTunes, Spotify, and many other music providers, and there are also links to that on our website. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisinthemacabre at gmail.com
1: Or send if, a carrier pigeon.
0: You could do that. You could just tie a dead pigeon to a rock and throw it at our door. We know that
1: works, right? That's believe? how it works.
0: <laughs> and, that was uh, the
1: first text message.
0: And, you know, we've had people say, you know, if you ever need help with research or anything, if you guys have a topic... That you want to go ahead and research send us some information send us some references write an outline anything you could do that would maybe potentially help us that i could just you know kind of blend in with my own research so maybe wouldn't take as long that would be very much appreciated as well so interested in seeing if anyone is potentially interested in helping out in that way for sure that would be amazing so yeah that's about it thanks again for listening we appreciate you guys. We love all you Snuggle Bunnies. We especially appreciate all of you patrons that help financially support the show. Keep us going. We just had to re-up the website and all that. So that money goes to a very good use. And we love you guys. Yeah. You, you have our undying love.
1: Call me. I'll send you my an address and I'll give you a wet sloppy kiss. You whore. <gasps> re <Do-re-mi>? me. You. <Nah. laughs>
0: Alright guys. Stay safe Snuggle Bunnies and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. How many New Yorkers does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? It's none of your fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> yeah, so